running improves my life. You know, it makes me more confident. It, it, it gives me control back over a day when maybe I lost an hour or two because of sleepiness. I definitely decided to found Project Sleep when I was on a run. I'm getting teared up. It, it was such a, a clear moment, just having something click and, and saying, I think this is it. I, I think I'm going to have to found my own organization. From there, once I make a decision like that, even though I was out on a run, I stick with them. Hello and welcome to Run the Business, the weekly podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out what running can teach us about leading, managing people and generally being better in business. We also try to answer that question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay and today I'm joined by someone who is an expert in something that most of us will spend a third of our lives doing. She's the founder president and CEO of Project Sleep, a US-based nonprofit raising awareness about sleep health and sleep disorders. She's a leading narcolepsy spokesperson and award-winning author. In 2013, her book Wide Awake and Dreaming won the first prize biography autobiography award at the San Francisco Book Festival. Uh, she's collaborated with Harvard Medical School researchers to establish an educational program based on her story, which is now taught to all Harvard medical students. She's the creator of the Sleepwalk event series and the Narcolepsy Not Alone international campaign. Julie Flieger, welcome to Run the Business. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. Julie, how are you today? Wonderful. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And I, I know you're in Los Angeles. So the, the first question on Run the Business is always, when did you last go running? Last night, I, um, I live in Los Feliz, which is right below the Griffith Observatory. So um, I get to run in Griffith Park. It's so beautiful. And describe that park to us, you know, paint, paint a picture to us about your, your local running route. I run along um, a dirt path usually uh, that uh, goes by a golf course and by uh, horses and also by the highway because <laughs> you can't get too far from the highway in Los Angeles. And is it is it hot at, at the moment at this time of year? It's hot, but I like to run in the evenings. And so usually by then it's it's cooled off and it's not very humid here in LA. So it's not too bad. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you first consider yourself a, a runner? When did it come into your life? Oh, gosh. Well, I was always an athlete. I was actually a tennis player since I was five years old. And I played Division One varsity squash in college. I don't know if you're familiar with squash. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I always ran just because I had to for sports. But I'd say really after I graduated from college is when I started to really enjoy running and uh, make it more of a focus for me. It's funny, isn't it, how at different stages in our life, running has, has different meaning. And uh, I, I talk to people and particularly as, as people get older, they can kind of, they come to appreciate it a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Actually, I did. I mean, I was on the cross country team in high school, but I just felt like I wasn't as good as uh, the other uh, girls on the team. And um, I felt like I was a clunkier runner. And even though I tried really, really hard, I just it never quite clicked for me at that point. And tell us a little bit more about Project Sleep. And, and this has been a huge part of your, your life for, for many years. You know, what's it all about? What does it mean? Yeah. When I was in law school at age 24, I was diagnosed with narcolepsy. And I was really surprised because I had been struggling with law school, but I just kind of thought I'd lost my willpower 
or I just wasn't meant for law school. You know, the reading is really dense and I, um, I'd always been a really driven person, both in athletics and in my academics. And something just wasn't clicking in law school. And I had other weird things happening. When I would be laughing at a joke, my knees would start to buckle, almost like if someone had poked behind my knees. Okay. And so there's strange things that were happening. And then eventually this, um, I learned what these were symptoms of narcolepsy. And so after I received my diagnosis, I was really surprised not only at how our culture, at least in America, thinks that narcolepsy is a joke, but the more I learned about sleep and sleep science, I was totally fascinated by how researchers were learning how important sleep was, but our society just doesn't take sleep all that seriously, kind of think of it as an afterthought or even bragging about how little sleep we get. And I love communications challenges like that. And so eventually, uh, decided to found Project Sleep as a nonprofit to try to make sleep cool, raise awareness and advocate for sleep health uh, and sleep disorders. And to say you've you've done pretty well in this space is an understatement because I know how much you've achieved in all sorts of different ways uh, over the time that you, you've been doing this. Forgive the simplicity of these questions and, and, and maybe there isn't one answer, but how much sleep do we need? Uh, you know, how... Yeah, for the average person, what is what is that sleep? Well, it really varies person to person. There's a concept of learning about your chronotype, which is that some people are better early in the morning. They have better clarity. Some people are night owls. Um, some people need more sleep than others. So, you know, the general recommendation is seven to eight hours a night, but it should be more personalized than that. And um, you can go online and take a quiz that is created by Dr. Michael Bruce to figure out what your chronotype is and gear into what works for you. And you just mentioned something there, which I think is is really important because it links into the business and the running side of, of you know, what this podcast is about is choosing the time of of day to engage in a particular task whether it's it's running or or decision making or sleep and kind of when you you know went through this process of understanding yourself and how narcolepsy was affecting you what were your findings what do you find in your day the best time to to do certain things when do you find yourself at your fittest and strongest to go running I have my best clarity for getting intellectual work done in the morning. And I find that later in the day, I can do things that don't take as much intellectual clarity like running. And so I also take a nap once or twice a day. And so I found that after a nap in the late afternoon or early evening, that's when I most generally find I have the energy to get up and at least get out the door. <laughs> Some days I'll even just start by walking and listening to music and then find a good song comes on and eventually I, I start running. And um, yeah, I think that does take, you know, knowing yourself and knowing that you don't have to be like every, you know, if you think that everyone is up in the morning and running, um, I don't have to be like everybody else. And how many different kinds of, of uh, you know, character type are there? You mentioned, you mentioned that, you know, there's a few different um, uh, types. Is, is it, you know, is, is, is it, uh, you know, the, a small number of different types that we fall into or is it, is it a bit more complicated than that? 
Well, Dr. Michael Bruce talks about, I think, four different chronotypes. But of course, it's, you know, everyone's an individual. I just like the concept because at least it gets people thinking about how people are more individual. Uh, and there's just not one right way to sleep for everybody. And thinking a bit more about running and exercise in terms of how much sleep we need, if people are running or, do, or doing longer running, does that mean we need more sleep? Or Because or, I've got to say, sometimes if I exercise more, I feel like I've got more energy, so maybe I need less sleep. I mean, what's the relationship between sleep and exercise? Yeah, I think that's bi-directional. So a lot of people find that exercise can improve their sleep if they have issues with insomnia. Yeah, I guess having trouble sleeping. And then, of course, sleep is absolutely crucial for every body and mental function. That's what they've really learned over the last couple of decades. It's when our body restores everything, our nervous system, our immune system, our muscular system, our memory. And so it's essential to get, um, you know, a good amount of sleep to be able to be at your best performance. I don't think you have to end up sleeping, you know, 12 hours <laughs> to have the best athletic performance, but just making sure you're giving your body uh, the full time it needs to restore. And again, that is individual. So maybe that is nine hours for one person, maybe it's seven for another. But just, you know, when you feel good to get up in the morning, that's probably when you've had enough sleep. Not forcing yourself to get up at 5 a.m. every day because you think that you're supposed to, <laughs> to either, you know, get more done in your business or, or get in an early exercise. Uh, you should really be making sure you're getting enough sleep on the schedule that works best for you. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that, that that schedule. Is it important that you keep to a routine? I mean, thinking not beyond sleep in terms of, you know, business and running. And, and do you find yourself quite a structured person? Well, they do say structure is very important. And actually, it's probably almost as important as the number of hours you sleep is the timing of that sleep and making sure that, you know, it's it's best coordinated with your natural circadian rhythms. So yeah, that, that structure is really important. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's easier said than done in real life. Uh, so, um, you know, I can't say that I'm uh, keep to the perfect structure myself, but the more I do learn about it, the more I think about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, this podcast is, is all about how running might help people in business and leadership and uh, kind of the relationship between the two. Tell us about how running uh, helps you in, you know, what does it give you and, and how does it help you in, in the work that you do? Yeah, I just am so excited about your podcast topic because I actually have thought a lot about this, especially training for three marathons. You know, I ran my first marathon after I was diagnosed with narcolepsy. Mm -hmm. And so some people in my life, like my parents, were kind of like, should you even do this? Because one of my symptoms is that I can, with emotions, become paralyzed and, and trip or fall. But I was pretty determined just to see if I could do it. And and I have. And um, I've done three marathons. And I think what I learned from those experiences is that there's a lot of intimidation. You know, um, people seem to think that, oh, if you don't, if you're not running this number of miles or if you're not doing it the way that I ran a marathon, you know, it can be really intimidating from the outside. But the actual experience, once you're in it, and you see, I guess I was really surprised, especially running the Boston Marathon was my first marathon, and I ran it for charity, so I didn't have to qualify. But, you know, I saw people with limps. I saw people, you know, juggling, people running backwards, you know, people wearing huge backpacks. And you start to realize, like, it's not quite as intimidating, and you don't have to be, 
winning the marathon to be in the marathon. And I think that's really impacted my the way I approach running Project Sleep in realizing too, like, I don't need to know how everything's going to work out. I just need to know how to take the first step and not be so intimidated um, that everyone's kind of winging it <laughs> in a way. When you run a nonprofit uh, or any organization or corporation, you have to be a jack of all trades sort of, but no one knows everything. And so just figuring it out as I go, I think I gained more comfort in realizing that through running. You know, I don't have to feel confident I can win a full marathon or even run 26 miles to just start. That's great advice. And I think that the community of running is something that I, I think really welcomes that once people get into, you know, a local running club or a park run or just, you know, doing it with some friends. Once, once you sort of get sucked into it, you realize that there's a spirit there, isn't there, that's very supportive, that isn't just about those super fit athletes that do amazing things. And they're great, but it is just about getting out there and, and doing it. Yeah. I'd say the other really interesting thing that chronic illness, you know, has actually impacted my running is I ended up doing walk running or run walking. And I never would have considered doing that when I was growing up as, you know, someone that thought that I was a great athlete. But with narcolepsy, I thought, all right, I'm going to try this run walking schedule. And I've loved that. And I found that's really effective. And actually, I've been able to finish marathons faster than people that run the whole time. Um, and so I, I kind of like that, that my experience with chronic illness has also, I think, made me a better runner. You mentioned the Boston Marathon. Uh, you said you'd done a, another couple of marathons. Which were those? I did the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon. And then I did Griffith Park Trail Marathon. And uh, right now I'm training for the St. George Marathon in Utah. Wow. So in terms of kind of how you approach running, do you do it? Do you prefer to run on your own or do you feel that uh, running is in groups is something that's, that's good for you? I mean, how do you balance it out? I've always been more of a run by myself person. I think it's also because it's what I found as one of the benefits is the mental space. Mm. You know, as someone that wrote a book, I would often feel stuck with my writing and then I would go for a run and, and not be thinking about my book necessarily. And then something would hit me. So it kind of became my time where it became a little bit more meditative or gave me the space to process things. Whereas often when I'm home working, I'm go, go, go with my work. But I have found recently I've been running with one friend and, and I really like that for a variety. And the, the runs have gone by so quickly because we're just chatting the whole time. So I definitely see there's probably a great benefit from running with other people. Uh, but for the most part, I've I've had it as a solo activity that's been pretty helpful for me my mental health i think mm -hmm. okay uh, goals are really important in in business um and in running i think as well so how does an organization like project sleep measure success if you like uh, and how important are goals for you when you go out running yeah that's a really good question it's a lot harder for a nonprofit. you know running a marathon it's very structured for me i actually think it's a lot easier than even living with a chronic illness, which is not 
as easy to measure or, or plan for. Training for a marathon, you know, you just have this schedule and if you can stick with it, well, easier said than done, of course. I've had a lot of issues with my knees, so incorporating the foam roller and the ice packs and the stretching and the strengthening, all that. Um, running has gotten more complicated for me over the years, but it's still pretty linear process. Uh, running a nonprofit, it can be hard to sometimes know, am I spending my time and attention on the right things all the time? We have three employees now, full-time staff. So that's been really exciting growth over the last couple of years. But, you know, how much of my time do I spend mentoring my staff versus working on projects to continue to expand Project Sleep? But as far as our programs, how we measure impact, of course, we really want to see that our advocacy efforts are advancing more sleep research and more sleep awareness through federal funding for that. We have storytellers around the world that share their stories. So often we're measuring that by how many speaking engagements they're giving, how many people they can reach with their message and share their story. Great. Because I, I guess the metrics of, of anything are, are important, aren't they? You've got to sort of have those goals to to, to measure your success and, and aim for um, aim for different things. Um, I wanted to ask you about the, you, you know, you mentioned um, narcolepsy, it, you know, it's an illness uh, and it's not a visible illness like um, like many are. Now, there's a lot of work being done at the moment to to help bring forward things that aren't visually um, instantly there for people to to see and and um, you know find ways to help people understand things a little bit more. Did did you you know when you run and when you do marathons and and when you're involved in in promoting the work of Project Sleep Sleep, how do you go about doing that? How how do you sort of educate people on being more aware? Yeah, um, we we really focus on storytelling. I know for me, when I was diagnosed, the first thing I thought of were movies, you know, movies that had characters with narcolepsy. The media plays a huge role in, in our perceptions of things. And so I wanted to share my story through my memoir. And now I train other people on how to share their story. And that's how we try to gain empathy is is remind people, hey, we're just like you, but then we have this other thing happening and bring people to those to those moments of our life where sleepiness can be excruciating, but you know, it's Thanksgiving and you want to be with your family, but you feel so, so exhausted. Or um, like I was telling you about my knees buckling with laughter. You know, I was about to go for a run one day and then I felt this strange feeling in my knees. Like, so then I thought, are my knees going to give out when I run? Luckily, they don't. It's more really focused on emotions and laughter. But it's, yeah, it's it's a tough one, um, but it's, it's a challenge I love uh, trying to get people to empathize more. And often what I find is that once I start talking about my story, a lot of people have different sleep issues. Maybe they don't have narcolepsy, but sleep is just something that we don't talk about. And so I love it as an invitation for other people to think more about their sleep and what might be going wrong and what they can do better. There are sleep doctors out there. It's a real profession and they can help people uh, with a lot of different uh, sleep problems. And a specific one with running is when we do a long run. I mean, you mentioned the marathons that you've done and, and it, it can be at the end of a day where we've we've exerted ourselves a lot. And, and I suppose this applies to business as well. If you've had a you know a busy conference or you know, time in the office, when you get home, it, it can be hard to it can be hard to relax. It can be hard to sleep. Why why is that? How do how do our bodies react like that when we are uh, you know tired, exhausted, but we just can't we can't switch off? Yeah, that 
is a huge problem. I know uh, one of my favorite sleep researchers talks about how you cannot expect to kind of like lift off into sleep automatically. It's a process. And so just making it more of a process, I think, is, is what they talk about, that you have to wind down, you have to turn off lights, you have to turn off the TV. It's a process. And so just making it more of a process, I think, is, is what they talk about, that you have to wind down, you have to get away from your phone, um, find things like journaling or reading a book to bring yourself closer to sleep and not expect that we can just turn it on and off automatically. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good advice. And you mentioned the run near you that you, you, you were doing yesterday. Is there a run, not just, you know, in, in California, somewhere in the world that, that uh, is a very memorable run for you when you think back about all the, the miles that you've, you've run over the years? Is there a particular run that sticks out as, as special for you? Oh, I love running along rivers. So I think probably one of my favorites would be when I was in Paris and waking up early on a Sunday morning and going for a run and feeling like all of Paris was still asleep, <laughs> yeah. except for me, you know, and just being uh, crossing the bridges of the Seine and, and just, uh, I just love that. Uh, so I really love that running is such a neat way to explore cities and see parts of the city you might not otherwise if you're just in a car driving by quick. Yeah. So that's probably one of my favorites. And just running in Boston along the Charles River. I loved, I loved running in Washington, D.C. when I lived there as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, so much to explore. And can, can you think of a specific run where uh, an idea came? You know, you, I know you mentioned earlier about how you can kind of go running and you clear your mind and suddenly solutions or ideas pop in. Is, is there any run that you've done over the years where it helped you solve a particular problem or an idea came forward that became something big for you? Is I, I know it's a big question, but is there anything that, that sticks out? Oh, yeah. I definitely decided to found Project Sleep when I was on a run. Wow. I don't remember what was frustrating me exactly, but it was a very particular, I'm getting teared up. Oh. It, it was such a, a clear moment where I probably, you know, you get kind of like in the zone and I'm getting all huffy and puffy about something, probably, you know, lack of awareness uh, of sleep and I'm running faster and faster <laughs> to deal with my frustration. Yeah. And then just having something click and, and saying, I think this is it. I, I think this is, is what I can do. And I'm going to have to found my own organization, which was not my first inclination, but reaching that that moment and then from there once i make a decision like that like even though i was out on a run i I stick with them and i knew that was what i was going to do and so i guess that would be about 10 years ago now that that happened and you can still remember clearly that run and that and that moment when that happened that's amazing isn't it yep (laughs) and it's it's funny how so many people I speak to as part of this this podcast can remember those runs where those ideas and, and those you know those um, things came just came out of nowhere and they made that decision as you say on the run to 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 do it and to make it happen. It, it's there's just something about that space, isn't there, that you get when you're out running that that gives you that that you know perspective to make these decisions. Yeah, I actually read a recent research and um, announcement that running might be there's interesting connections between the two sides of your brain, that the only other time they really see some of the same uh, neurological Mm -hmm. action is during REM sleep. Right. 
And REM sleep, of course, is very important for processing our emotions and for um, taking memories and putting them in a broader context. And so this article recently was saying that they see some of that same action neurologically when people are running. Uh, so yeah, maybe there really is something to <laughs> us being able to use both sides of our brain and, and um, see things from a wider context. That sounds like a paper that somebody should uh, should dig into and, and do some work on. That sounds uh, like a very fascinating subject. Yeah. In terms of your team, Julie, is, is running something that you recommend to, to, to people you work with in Project Sleep or is it just something that you keep for yourself? It's probably something I mostly just do myself. I think, you know, it's important for everyone to find what they like. <laughs> I definitely talk about it. I talk about my experience as a runner a lot on social media. And for people with narcolepsy, you know, often people ask me like, oh, is exercise, does it improve your narcolepsy? And actually, I'd say it really doesn't. Uh, I still can have the symptoms of narcolepsy the same days that I go running. However, running improves my life. So, and narcolepsy is a part of my life. You know, mm -hmm. it makes me more confident. It, it, it gives me control back over a day when maybe I lost an hour or two because of sleepiness. And so I know that running is so important for like my my bigger life mm -hmm. so that's such a great positive thing especially when you do have to deal with a chronic illness but just to be clear that it doesn't like somehow cure my narcolepsy or, or make it go away and i think that's just something that's important because i think oftentimes sleepiness can be confused for laziness and it's really not it's it's uncontrollable it, it's not something i get to control and so just important to let people know their experience is valid with their symptoms and exercise won't somehow make it go away, um, but can be a wonderful compliment to um, improve your life if you have the ability to. And do you ever get bored when you run? Are you a runner that needs music or other stuff going on to, to, to help you get through the miles? I love music. I love dancing. So I kind of feel like it's the time of my day when I get to listen to music the most. And so I listen to a lot of electronic <laughs> dance music. And I am for my long runs, I'm doing run walking still. I do four minutes running, one minute walking. And so that's often just really keeping me focused on those minutes and making sure I remember to make those transitions. I don't think I ever get bored necessarily, but definitely enjoy finding some good tunes. Mm. So, so you're, on the, you're on the start line of your next big run. Uh, what song would you like to be playing in the background that is, is going to set you off in the right frame of mind and the right mood? Um, there is a song called Again. I want to say it's uh, Armin oh, Van Buren or something. He's an electronic. Yep. And I recently discovered it. I think it's an older song, but uh, I recently refound it. And I find it just really, I don't know, really pretty and has a good beat. We'll stick a link to that song in the show notes so people can experience that as well. Awesome. A uh, couple of questions to go before we finish up. Um, running aside, can you name uh, one business tool, an app or a person, something that you couldn't do without from a business perspective? Um, gosh, I don't use apps that much or tools, I don't think. Um, I'm a paper person, so I have my to-do lists are on paper. 
Okay. I think the thing that's helped me the most is trying to prioritize my to-do list by just highlighting things and actually setting the amount of time I think a project should take me <laughs> next to that project uh, so I don't get lost uh, and give too much time to something that should have been something I could do quickly yep. without being a perfectionist. So yeah, I'm an old-fashioned paper to-do list person and um just trying to make sure that I'm redoing my my to-do list and prioritizing carefully. I think there's a huge a huge value in in having that tangible that pen and paper uh, experience that that helps people uh, you know remember and just uh, feel a bit closer to the things that they're committing to. Um, I, I can I hear that from a, a few different people as well, and I and I certainly am a, a notebook and pen person. I think I'm the same way with my running too, actually. And I realize I've been relying a lot on my watch and my phone now. You know, it tracks all my runs. But I think I'm going to still make a, a cute piece of paper with my running schedule on it for this marathon and just be able to physically like check off the runs and write in the amount of miles I ran. I think I'm going to make that because I really like that paper. <laughs> mm. Well, and, and just putting business aside for a second um, and flipping that question around, what's your favorite bit of running kit or an accessory or, or something in your, your running life that you can't do without? Well, I did just download an app that will that helps me with the run walk transitions. So all my previous marathons, I was just doing that timing on my own and having to check my watch. <laughs> so that's been a huge difference. It's just an interval. I think it's intervals pro. And uh, that was really nice to discover that, oh, technology actually can <laughs> help me. And it just vibrates my watch a few seconds when I need to transition from run to walking. So um, that's been really helpful. Sounds great. Okay. I did want to ask uh, specifically around, you know, your your field around uh, narcolepsy. What would you say to people who, um, and, you know, putting your project sleep hat on, what would you say to people uh, that aren't aware of, of narcolepsy and, and sleep challenges? How would you, you know, what would you ask them to do or to, or to, to, to be more aware of in, in, um, in how they, um, engage and deal with people that that do have um, narcolepsy or, or sleep challenges? Yeah, I just say sleep challenges are not like the movies. You know, I'm not standing one second and then asleep the next. So if you think that's what narcolepsy is, you probably wouldn't think that you could have it or someone that you love could. Um, you're not going to see that really happen. The sleepiness is sneaky. It's much more invisible. It can manifest as someone um, not being able to pay attention uh, having challenges with their mood or like when I was in law school thinking I just wasn't meant for law school. I didn't have the willpower uh, to handle that work. So um, just knowing that it, sleepiness can be really invisible, but it can be affecting your life. And all these sleep disorders are so underdiagnosed, sleep apnea, narcolepsy, restless leg syndrome. Um, and so there is help out there. It's important to know that there are sleep doctors around the world and they can help you figure out if, you know, there's something better you can do. There's insomnia specialists as well that uh, can help with cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. So there's hope, there's help. And the more you can learn about your sleep, I think the better. Fantastic. And, and Julie, uh, final question. What advice would you give to anybody in business or in a leadership role considering getting more active and, and specifically taking up running? Oh, I'd say, you know, it'll it'll be a great benefit. I guess for me, it was organic that I learned lessons over time and it was through marathon training. 
and just really discovering that you don't have to know <laughs> how you're going to run 26 miles when you start. You can even not believe in yourself and that you're capable of doing that. But slowly but surely, you, those miles add up and you'll, you can surprise yourself. And I felt that that's what's happened for me in slowly growing Project Sleep. And every step can happen on its own time and you don't even need to fully know how to get there and you still can. Julie, it's been fascinating to talk to you and so enlightening. Uh, best of luck with everything, Project Sleep and, and the work that you're doing. It's, it's fantastic stuff. And thank you so much for being a guest on Run the Business. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you again to Julie Flygare for being today's guest on Run the Business. There's a few things I'm taking away from that conversation. The obvious one of how important sleep is to our success in anything that we do, whether that's running or business or whatever. When was the last time you really thought about the quality of the sleep that you get? And Julie helped really educate me on some of my blind spots around narcolepsy and sleep issues. Fascinating stuff. Julie talked about uh, doing your own thing. Uh, there is no fixed way to run, just like there's no set way to lead or to run a business. You have to do it in a way that works for you uh, authenticity is, is so important. Finding your own unique schedule to get the best out of your sleep, your running and your work was something else that Julie touched on as well. Uh, taking action, taking first steps. Sometimes it's important just to do something. Um, and that came through for Julie. She, she got so much confidence from running to help her in her business. Sometimes just forcing ourselves to do a little is the thing that opens the door to do more. Uh, writers who suffer from writer's block are encouraged just to write something down, anything, just fill a page, it doesn't matter. Just move forward and get into the mindset of being a writer. And I think the same applies in, in running business as well. Some days we have to force ourselves just to get out there and do it, however small, uh, just to help reinforce that habit and create that forward momentum. I also love Julie's story about running around Paris and uh, waking up early and going for a run around the city as it slept. I could hear the joy in her voice in describing that. And how a run was the moment when she thought up the business idea uh, for what became uh, The Sleep Project. I mean, that's powerful stuff. Good memories to hold on to and good things to recall when you need some positivity in your life as well. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please rate it positively, spread the word and share it wherever you can. It really does help. Run the Business is a real two media production with thanks to Chris Kelly and Anna Harding for helping make it possible. To finish today, a quote from George Sheehan, the physician and athlete. The obsession with running is really an obsession with the potential for more and more life. I'll go along with that one. I'm Anthony Gay. And until next time, keep running and keep chasing your goals. Hold up. 